Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast. My name is Trevor Mueller, and with me is UW Leah. Washington heads to the library. The commentators were talking about how disappointing the crowd was, especially wearing the Cardinal red. No juice in the stadium. Washington gets out of there with a 42-33 win. It wasn't pretty at times. There was a couple of moments at at points in the game where it seemed like it was in the balance, but Washington was in, in control for most of the game. Leah, how do you feel about this game overall? I don't like the way we've played the last 10 quarters of football, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter that we didn't play our best football. The only thing that matters is that we have another notch on the left side of the ledger and not one on the right. And we're one of a very few select group of teams at this point that can say that are the things to clean up yeah and we will talk about that one thing's for sure I'm not sure I trust the coaching staff when they say that Jalen McMillan is healthy because they keep saying that and he keeps showing up for a couple snaps and then leaving the football game but all to say it is really difficult for Washington to win at Stanford the library is a really difficult place to play if for no other reason than you do have to bring your own energy because you can't rely on the fans there. And the, the Huskies managed to pull it out despite everything that was not going in their favor. And you got to be grateful for that. And coming out with a win is always good news. Yeah. And it sounds like there was a ton of guys that were also sick, um, mm-hmm. including Michael Penix. Mike Varel tweeted out that after the game, his eyes were glassy. You could tell that he really wasn't feeling good. And so this is kind of like his Jordan flu game uh, on a very, very smaller scale. It just wasn't very pretty. It felt clunky most of the time. And you had texted the group, you know, overrated. Are they injured? Are they being out coached? And since you gave the question, I'd kind of like you to start. I want to know your take before I give mine. I can't really make, I don't really know what to make of it, honestly, because We've been having this problem in terms of just not putting teams away since the latter half of the Arizona game. And I do think Mike got hit against the Ducks and props to them for getting to him. But I also feel like the lack of creativity was also present in that game. And it was very present against Arizona State and present for a big portion of the Stanford game and also at Arizona a month ago. So... I have a hard time thinking that we're not being outcoached right now. I think everyone's a little banged up at this point in the season. I do think that we have a lot of really talented kids in the team. So I have a hard time saying that we're overrated. We're not playing to our capability. We're a lot more talented than we're showing. And to me, that looks like we're getting outcoached. What do you think, Trev? I've gone back and forth on it. I I think that our coaching staff is putting it together with duct tape right now mm-hmm. as the program gets healthier and healthier. I think that they knew with who they had, they were going to be able to take care of business with ASU. And that was a lot closer and ASU is better than they were. And now, you know, Stanford, who knows where Stanford's going to go, but it's three games in a row that excluding the Oregon game, which had its own hiccups, but that was two really, really good teams playing. I think that with the personnel that they have, they've had to maybe take something out of their game plan at times. Um, Not having Jalen McMillan, I think is a huge one. The offensive line issues, especially with the injuries has been probably part of taking out some of the creativity in there. It also seems like Ryan Grubbett and and the offensive staff have been a little reluctant to change 
some of the things that I think are well within their capability to control. You saw at times Dylan Johnson was really effective yesterday. Will Nixon gets like one touch and averages like six yards every game. I'm confused why he hasn't gotten the ball more. It seems like he's really good on the edges. I feel like there's more in the tank and, and allowing Michael Penix to pick his spots to be really effective, I think would be really good as he's dealing with an illness that's two weeks in the making now. Clearly he's sick. Clearly there's a bunch of people that are sick. And thank God this is happening against, you know, a, a te- two teams that are now with four wins total. So I think it has something to do with that more than being out coached. I think it's holding it together until we get healthy, uh, just immune system wise and, you know, getting our guys. Physicality. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would, I would add to that, that um, I think you maybe alluded to, but didn't directly address is like crossing routes, like 10, 10 yard crossing routes that were used ad nauseum against Michigan state, even the early part of Arizona game. Mm-hmm. And to some extent against Oregon, why is that not being used? And you made a point about Will Nixon. Great point. And also like the substitution patterns for the running back position are really confusing. We yeah. talked about this in the, um, we had a spaces last night on Twitter hosted by uh, hooligan. And I think dubbed up. So shout out to those guys. They did an excellent job. And uh, KP was on there talking about just like, that it was just, it seems like you're almost spinning a dial of just like, okay, it's this snap. So, you know, I guess, uh, Tybo Rogers, you're going to go in and the next play, it's going to be sad. Sam Adams. There's just no, like, it doesn't make any sense, especially if you have a Will Nixon who to your point is getting a lot of yards in very minimal snaps. So I don't really understand it. And that is, is it a healthy bodies? Is it, is it sickness? I can't tell, but this has been a problem for weeks now. And so it's really confusing. It really is. And I don't know other than health reasons or something. I just don't understand it because Will Nixon goes out and scampers for six yards, seven yards, whatever. And then you never see him again. So it's not, yeah. hot, it's not a hot hand thing. Yeah. Riding with the hot hand. It's, it seems really confusing to me. And some of those times when, especially, you know, in, when Washington scores a touchdown and then goes, has to punt twice, Mm-hmm. mixing in a little bit more of that run game, giving them another look, not taking away any handoffs to, to Dylan Johnson. Cause he's just a, a really good running back, but mixing in more of those taking, you don't want to take the ball out of your best player's hands a lot, but allowing him to get into the rhythm of the game. Yeah. With third, second down and short, as opposed to, you know, third and long. I think is would be really, really beneficial as Penix is either getting is getting healthy, either, like you said, physically or not being sick. For sure. I don't have like a, a problem with these guys all getting touches. It just it seems like that's just kind of haphazard pattern wise. Mm-hmm. To your point, it's not like, OK, well, we're going to give the rock to Dylan because he's on a roll. It's like Dylan might have a good solid run and then we're going to put Will Nixon in for a snap. And then the next drive we're going to put in in successive snaps. We're going to put in Tybo Rogers and Sam Adams. And it just it's it's kind of weird. It was a weird game in, in general because we just saw things that don't normally happen. Rome doesn't fumble. JP does not drop catchable balls over and over again. So um, it was disappointing. Um, But one thing we can count on is a complete lack of consistency with what pass interference is from Pac-12 refs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And obviously what, here's the thing we're, we've kind of started this off a little bit talking about some of the issues that they had, which 
absolutely they should. Yes. The reality is Washington scored 42 points. Mm-hmm. They had a chance for at least two more touchdowns. And you're referring to at the in the fourth quarter, there was a interception on a on a back shoulder ball where Roma Dunze was pulled and nothing was called. He still almost made the catch. He caught it up over the guy's uh, helmet. And uh, during the juggle, the guy was able to wrestle it away. It absolutely should have been a pass interference call. It's disappointing. It wasn't called that. And especially like there was a pass interference earlier in that drive, which was absolutely a pass interference. It's okay. If they're, if they're doing it, call it like that's, that's kind of my issue with the officiating in general is, yeah, you know, yeah. If like, there was a lot of flags early and watching it, it probably deserved to be, there wasn't, there was some ticky tack ones, I think on Washington. And and that's going to make me sound like a Homer a little bit, but you know, one of the, one of the first pass interference on um, Jabbar Muhammad, I didn't think was much of anything. The second one absolutely was. I mean, you made a point, I think, about like the bad commentators. Like, I think we actually it was the pre-show. We we're talking about the terrible commentators. And the, when we have really bad commentators and they are also talking about, yeah. wow, that was a weird call because the offensive player grabbed a piece of Jabbar Muhammad's jersey. That seems like a weird call. Like, yeah. You're darn right. It was a bad call. And that ended up resulting in a Stanford touchdown. Yeah. And I think that was on third down would have gotten us out of the drive. So like those kinds of plays, I mean, I'm not here to complain about the refs because ultimately it didn't matter. Um, We rallied after that terrible non-call against Rome and we were able to get the football back and we were able to punch it in for what ended up to be the game, like ceiling touchdown. But Ultimately, like it really stinks to see the officials play such a big part in a game like that, where they where those plays were germane to that the final. Oh, 100 percent. And it was, you know, a big shout out again to the dubbed up guys. They had posted something basically like miss me with saying that Washington's lucky that that kid dropped the ball. They should never been in that position. A hundred percent. Are you sure it was dubbed up or was it uh, Jim Mora, who was super sad that, that <laughs> happened, and then his Cougs ended up. Uh, losing a game to checking my notes, winless in Pac-12 play, Arizona State. I, I got to tell you the amount <laughs> of Washington content that Jim Moore gives is better than some of the guys that are paid to cover the Huskies. Oh, 100%. He, it's crazy. He cares far more about what Washington does than his own team. And I, yeah, I think it's really funny just to watch someone who, Literally, Washington lives rent-free in his head. It It is pretty impressive. You know, looking at this game, it, it was it was frustrating. So I was at a, a Halloween party with mm-hmm. uh, a bunch of my friends, uh, a whole bunch of kids. We were basically at the road making sure that the kids didn't get hit by any cars on this kind of slow lane road, of course, watching mm-hmm. it on my phone and then uh, getting home and seeing the fourth quarter live, wa- re-watching it the first three quarters this morning. And I was just struck watching it. The frustration of how I felt watching the game cast, but then watching it over and knowing the outcome was very eye-opening in a way. Cause I, you know, you're watching it. They score seven points in the first quarter and I'm like, okay, they're going to, they're going to score 42 points. Like there's, there's five more touchdowns to come. But just the way that it went about the the herky-jerky manner of the game, the way that they allowed Stanford back in it, I think that's maybe more of the issue I felt. Yeah, the, you know, Washington didn't score on every drive. Michael Penix didn't look like the Michael Penix that we're used to. But 
you know, some of it was some, and maybe it's guys not feeling good. Maybe it's guys that are playing more. Maybe it's guys feeling the pressure of, of whatever, or being, you know, upset that, you know, they're in a game with these guys, but I just saw too many penalties that kept Stanford in it that were unforced errors. And, you know, at practice before the season, they had this paper taped on, on one of the walls that uh, it said, TNT takes no talent. And whenever somebody made a mistake that was a, a, an unforced error, so like false start or something like that, they would leave the drill, go over, run over, touch the sign, and then come back in. And mm-hmm. it just felt like there was too many of those. And, you know, uh, Bandis and Afua had, um, it couldn't get him down. Tanufi had a really bad headbutt when we were about ready to get off the field. Yes. Those kind of things allowed Stanford, it allowed the game to not be 21-0 and basically the game be over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, completely. Those are the things where if you're going to be a national championship caliber team, you got to behave like one far before you're a champion. It's one of those things that Coach Hart said in his hype video prior to the Arizona game, like champions behave like champions far before they're champions. And you're always going to get the worst behavior from your opponents when you are the top dog, which the Huskies are right now. They are the number one team in the conference. They're number five in America. You're always going to get any sort of advantage that they can possibly get with you, be it getting away with a PI or jawing off at you. That's going to happen. So be prepared for it and walk away because that is the kind of thing that you like. I fully believe that Voituna Ufi was retaliating against something. Sure. But what we always, that's what we talk about in this podcast all the time. It's like when that stuff happens, it's always the guy who retaliates that gets caught. Yep. So you just got to be better than that. And maybe even you, you channel your theatrics and fall down and like right. get the flag on the other guy. So if you really want to be upset about it, channel your, your inner Dan Lanning coaching and pretend that you have a broken. Oh With all that said, going over the position groups, there was absolutely teaching tape but there was also really good play at the same time which i mean it's a college football game that's what you're gonna get mike obviously early wasn't great but i felt like he really kind of found himself in the second half and you started seeing him deliver the balls with a little bit more zip confidence yeah zip the the receivers didn't necessarily have their best games all three of your top guys had drops they found ways to make big plays Roma Dunze's catch where he was doing that kind of spin cycle was fantastic. You know, Jalen Polk, obviously, but the, the the heroes of this game that really loosened up Stanford's defense was the tight ends. That's right. It was great to see Devin Culp have a game like that. Jack Westover, Jack Wester going back to the H back position and getting a touchdown. I thought the tight that was great. great. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we have to really key in on. And one of the things we talked about in our spaces last night is, attention Ryan Grubb we have a tight end room we really do and the more we use them the more well-faceted our team becomes and the harder it is to game plan for us so I'm excited for Devin Culp like I feel like he's made two game-saving catches in road games at Arizona and again at Stanford and if if that's what he's going to be known for, then so be it. And I, I love that for him because he is an excellent blocker. He's kind of not often used in terms of catching the ball. That's okay. Because when he does get targeted and they just decide to just not cover him and give him 20 yards of space, he will make the play. So um, shouts to him. That was great. 
Um, and I, I think that it was great for the team to rally after the, the play that wasn't called against Rome, because it would have been easy to be like, well, shoot, I guess right. we lost this game and they didn't do that. Um, and I know that kid dropped the football, a, sh- a four short, uh, first down pass and he dropped it, but ball don't lie, you know? Yeah, he didn't deserve Stanford did not deserve to have that opportunity. And that was just the football gods making it right. I got to tell you, going forward with those trips out there, having Devin Colt being either the blocker and, and sometimes getting that tight end screen, that was a thing of beauty. He just he runs so fast. He, he runs so well. He's so big. I think. And then what you're saying, he's a great blocker. I think that would be a really nice little wrinkle to throw in going down yeah. to the Coliseum particularly since we're not sure we're going to have Jalen McMillan. Um, Jeremy looked okay. I think that that's the other thing is like Mike overthrew that pass to Jeremy. And if that's an in stride pass, that's seven points. Yeah, you're right. So like we left 21 points on the board with uh, Rome's unfortunate fumble, the the call that wasn't made in the end zone and the overthrow to Jeremy. So this absolutely, we, we should be here talking about a 28 point win. We're not. That's okay. Um, we have a lot to work on in a week's time. And I, I just know that these kids, they don't get a chance to go to the Coliseum very much. A lot of these kids yeah. grew up in LA dreaming of playing for USC. And it is absolutely everyone's dream to grow up in LA, not play for USC and kick USC's butt as the visiting team. And that's why I hope Jalen McMillan's going to be healthy this week. Agreed. I want that for him really badly. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but whether or not it ha- I know he's going to be a team player and, uh, be cheering and be the best teammate he can be, even if he's not playing. I really hope he can. I think having three NFL receivers, it does help. Your, it really does help because they're so different and they're also money when they're on. Yeah. And I, I think that because we just saw some things that we don't see out of our wide receiving core that I think maybe they were under the weather as well. I just don't see drops, stone cold drops from JP and Rome. Yeah. That, that's just not something that they do. And we haven't seen that in years so that's kind of what I think is going on. And so let's get those kids hydrated, get some vitamin C in them, give them some steaks <laughs> and yeah. let's get them well. And so we can go into the Coliseum and see if we can play our best game in a month. <laughs> yeah. And I think that I'm now convinced that maybe Michael Penix isn't hurt. He's sick. And two weeks of being sick, hopefully he's going to start feeling better this week that everything is out of his system. He's had two weeks of being sick. So I'm hoping that this was the end of kind of the sickness, the lethargic kind of play. And, and, and I, I really hope that's the case. What isn't great is the depth at safety. Cam Fab was out. Asa was out. And those younger guys got a little bit exposed and, you know, they're not supposed to be in those big situations and they're getting called to. And McAllistine has made plays this year, man, that's a tough spot for them to be in with, having Caleb Williams coming up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the status of Asa and Cam Fab are, but I sure hope that they're going to be able to get well in a hurry. I know when Cab Fa- Cam Fab came off the field against Arizona State, he wasn't putting any weight on one yeah. of his legs. And so I know they listed him as day-to-day, and I think that that's just gamesmanship. I'm not sure yep. what the status I think that if it were really serious, they'd let us know. Yes. But they'd also – they're not going to – tell USC that he's not playing. They want to make sure that right. they have to prepare for that. But at this point, um, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge concern, especially because obviously Caleb Williams and his, his mobility, his uh, passing ability, but 
I, I think that more and more what we're going to see is a shootout in the Coliseum. Take the over if you're betting, I guess. Yeah. The, um, the, I bet you the over-under is going to be 80. Yeah, I was going to say like 75, but maybe 80. Yeah. I mean, I think crazy things are going to happen. And mm-hmm. I think I believe in our defense a little bit better than I believe in our and theirs. You should. Um, exactly. And at the same time, I think that if everybody, if like Rome and JP and Mike are just a little bit healthier, I feel like that's enough to beat USC defensively. But at the same yes. time, I have been on this podcast and or listened to you guys sing the praises of like, oh, their defense is trash. Like, oh, their offense is trash. We should run up the score against these these pretenders. And I just, I'm just not sure about that anymore. I feel like this is the game. One of the two games that actually both Jake and I predicted as a loss. Yeah. Um, so I'm going in with like nervous energy. I think this is the, this is a game that if we're going to drop one, this is probably going to be, I'm not sure that we lose to Oregon state. I think that, I think we can beat them even on the road, but who knows? Like Corvallis is a tough place to play, but I, I, I don't think that we're going to lose to Utah. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And we'll definitely get to that because they just don't play offense. And that was that was brutal to watch. And their defense mm. was not what I was expecting. Yeah, that was surgical. Oregon just like Yeah. Mm. Well they I mean it was gotta give them not getting tackled. Yeah, you gotta give Oregon credit at some point if just oh, like they're playing great. They're playing they're playing their best football. Mm-hmm. They played against a they took the crowd out of it immediately. Yeah. I, I mean like Within three minutes of that football game, they were quiet and they never got loud again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Credit to them. One thing that I do, I'm hopeful for going into the USC game is the health of the defensive line. Thule suited up, didn't play a ton. Did he play at all? I didn't see. Yeah. Um, I didn't take super note of it, though. He was suited up. I saw it was a lot of Jacob Bandis and Fatua Tuatele. Those guys are are much better served being uh, your rotational players. I think that that is, if, if Thule is back, then you put him and Ole together. That's a really good stuffed up the, uh, a really good up the middle. And our linebackers are still playing well. I just, mm-hmm. I, Carson Brunner is around everything. Tupatella is fantastic. And, and Eddie, Eddie Ulufusio is, I, I think playing his best. He played really well yeah. yesterday. So with all of that said, giving up those points that they did, I think where the secondary kind of saved, saved us last week. Um, it was a little bit tougher of a day. It was a really inconsistent day with some of the flags that were thrown on them, but I thought overall the secondary maybe took a step back where, um, I thought the linebackers played pretty well. I agree. I think the middle of that defense did pretty well. Um, of course it was against Stanford. Right. I think that Stanford at this point in the season, they're not your mom's like stand like a 12th place team of like five years, five years ago, where you were able to really just kind of mail it in. I really feel like all of these teams, even the lower teams are very well coached. And so what you're, that's what you're seeing. Like, I don't think that for the rest of the year, we're going to see a lot of 28 point spreads, maybe some, but very few, because now that Arizona state is one, one, they're still going to be predicted to lose the rest of their games, but they're not going to be 26 point dogs. Right. So um, all to say, yeah, I think that our defense is playing like as well as can be expected to be playing, considering how injured they are. Thule, uh, Asa, Camfab, that's a big part of our defense that is allegedly out for you know day to day. Who knows what the extent of the injuries are? Hopefully, we get them back this week. 
it's going to be huge. Um, all in all, they get out of the farm. Everything is good. They're eight. No, they're fifth in the country right now. My assumption is they're going to be probably five in the college football playoff. I've heard, you know, some people say that Oregon should be ahead of them. I've also heard people say that Washington should be in the top four because they have the best win in the country. So if you look at the aggregate, obviously they're a top five team. Uh, I agree with, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you have a good power rankings because everybody's pissed at you about it. Uh, yep. You putting Oregon <laughs> ahead of Washington for this week and last yeah. week, they absolutely have been the better yeah. team. But in the aggregate, I mean, Washington has the win, you know, head to head and their resume right now, looking at the wins and losses, they're just, they, they have the head to head win. Therefore they're better. I think it is Oregon is right where they should be at number six. I completely agree. And like the other thing that is that the, a lot was made of Oregon beating Colorado. Colorado was a ranked team when Oregon beat them, mm-hmm. but what looks like a better win at this point, that curb stopping at Autzen or the Huskies going to Tucson and beating them. 100%. At this point in the year, that's what you have to look at and saying, like, understand, like, you're probably gonna always going to lose. You're always going to beat the lower teams. And at this point, you have to admit to yourself that Colorado is a lower team. Right. And you also have to admit to yourself that Arizona is a high mid. Yeah, they're where do, where would you put them right now? They're probably fourth, fifth, sixth. I put them, I think, I think four, five, six. Yeah. And I think, I, I think I put them above USC because I feel like right now, and it's, it's not purely as I put, I have a uh, Oregon ahead of Washington because of an amalgam of standings and who is playing the best right now. So I have yeah. Arizona above USC because frankly, and I think you'll agree with me, Arizona's playing better than SC. They deserve to be there. They just beat a team that yes, they weren't predicted to lose by very much, but it is a big deal to beat the number 11 team on your home field. You, ha- you have one to lost team the too, yeah. Exactly. So um, Arizona is going to be playing UCLA at home in, in Tucson this week. I apologize, Trevor. I'm probably going to be picking against your pet, your baby blues because they are my yeah. cats now. So I, I think that <laughs> you have to, uh, when it comes to Oregon, like, yes, they have, they have played a, a very, very well and very tough and as well as they could possibly be playing. At the same time, their schedule, whether or not they want to admit it, they they won't admit it, is actually not as strong as Washington's. And you can make an argument based on the fact that in the last, I put this on Twitter, in the last 20 years, there have been three times in that time period that Washington has beaten Arizona, Cal, oh, sorry, Arizona, Arizona State, and Stanford in the same season. And only one of those times did it include a road win. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And we can complain about Stanford. We can complain about Arizona State. But the reality is Oregon was a pick six away from losing to a three and five team. Like every good team has to go through a struggle against a team they shouldn't. Texas almost lost to what it was Houston and they're they're three and five, one and four in the conference right now. Like it just, it just happens throughout the course of the year. Washington needs to get back to playing on, on rhythm. They need to get back healthy or they, they are going to lose. I mean, if they don't, if they play like this, they're absolutely going to lose in November, at least one game. They'll Mm -hmm. lose next week. If they can't figure out how to put it together offensively they will lose if their offense is off and their defense is depleted. So the trend is bad, but there's always clunker games throughout a season that you have great teams figure out how to win. 
it's hard to say it's a clunker game when you score 42 points and you there's you left points on the board. So, but if they lose a game, we're absolutely going to have the same conversation that there was points that they could have had that they didn't get. Yeah. Whether it's officiating, whether it's uh, a fump, a bad turnover, there's, we're going to have that conversation. They have to execute at a higher level if they're going to start beating these top teams. And I put USC top teams in quotes because (laughs) right now, still, I think there is a large gap between the number one, number two, and the rest of the field right now. I completely agree. And I also want to just point out that this is a game we're talking about it in lamenting fashion, because we know the Huskies are capable of better at the same time. When we played Arizona State last year, we had some motivation issues, but we were also incredibly injured and um, unwell last year at that time. Hundred percent. And we were that we were that uh, potentially against Arizona State and Stanford, and we are two and zero in those games. So whether or not is it is it injuries? Is it sickness? Is it are we overrated? Is it coaching? We we will never know, but we are undefeated right now. Yep. There is nothing that can take a, take that away from us right now. That said, you cannot play like you did the last two and a half weeks anymore the rest of the season. You you just can't. You just can't get away with that. So, you, you know, we are no longer kind of like the target is no longer on our backs as the top team in the conference. We're not playing like the top team in the conference. And Oregon is, has the narrative that they are, and it's, it, it's, unde- it's undeniable. They are playing better than us. So all you, all you have to do to change that is to go to USC, cover the spread and more and look good doing it. That's all you have to do to change the narrative. Because do we really think that Washington beating USC on the road is going to take headlines over Oregon beating Cal at home? No. On the Pac-12 network? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Let's get serious here. Like, you have a big opportunity to say, yeah, we have been, we have not been really press material lately. We have not been highlight real material. We're not going to be on ESPN for anything fancy other than, wow, they just escaped that. Change the narrative. Play your best. Get out of there with a win. Let's, um, you know, like, do the the fight on down, you know, Exactly. Fight TF on, as Stark would say, and you know, get get the heck out of there, and then <laughs> get the heck out of there. I think this is. I think I actually killed Trevor. You know, uh, that was get, such a good cut. That was oh. a good <laughs> We're gonna have to cut a, a little bit of our laughing, oh, but no. you know, as Stark would say you know, fight TF on, I guess. And, but it's not fight TF on, it's bow TF down. And we're going to get out of there with a dub. If we play our best, we have to do that. I'm not going to sit here and predict that we're going to win because we have a lot to change. But at the same time, let's flip that narrative. We're not in like the good graces of all the media right now. And there's a reason for that. So play your best, get out of there with a win. And all of a sudden we look like a 9-0 team. Are you ready for me to put on my purple glasses to end this podcast? Lose all your credibility. Here we go. Here's the deal. Um, Washington is 8-0. Winners win. They figure out ways to win. Mm -hmm. They are in games with teams that are inferior to them. The bad is they're allowing them to stick around. The good is that winners win, and they figure out how to win those games. Both times that they've had to make plays, they've made the plays. Um, Roma Dunze fumbles. They get the ball back. They go down. They're efficient in that in that fourth quarter. They played. The offense was clicking. 
the uh, the fumble hurt that. But the reality is, is they find ways to win week in and week out. And in a long season with 19 to 23 year olds, you got to figure out ways to do that. And Washington's doing that. And I think they're going to do it on Saturday. I hope so. I think one of the keys to victory, Kaylin DeBoer may not mention this, but is we got to be better about time of possession. If for no other reason than if we are playing our young guys in the secondary, we got to give those kids a break. Let's be honest here. I think if you give them a break, I think Stanford scores 20 points. That's just, that's just me being like really real about this. If we stay on the field and get off the field when we can, then I think it's a, I think we flip the script a little bit. So I think you're right. Play better. Don't make mistakes. Let's have, let's have a week with no turnovers. How about that? Please. And thank you. So that'd be awesome. awesome. I think that's usually the biggest predictor of wins and losses is the turnover battle. And if we can win the turnover battle in LA and, you know, win a shootout against the Trojans, it's really difficult no matter how mid their coach is, no matter how many press conferences that he skips or how many practices he skips, um, they're, they're still SC and they're still tough to beat in LA. So, we, you know, the onus is on us. We have to do our best and we have to play our best to be able to go out there and flip the script and look like the number one team in the conference again. 100%. We'll be back to preview USC later in the week. But for now, for Trevor Mueller, UW-Lea, go dogs. The Huskies never have to play Stanford and Arizona State in the same season ever again. Go dogs. Let's go.